Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope your day is going well. Uh, I, I missed out on National Coffee Day last week. Um, what kind of a coffee podcaster am I? I mean, <laughs> it was on uh, January 20th, and I just uh, didn't didn't know anything about it, guys. Because I'll be honest, like these these days, like National Sibling Day or National Microphone Day, who makes this stuff up? I mean, really, you know, do, at some point. We are just going to have a day for everything. There won't be a day in the year that isn't occupied by some sort of uh, acknowledgement or celebration. And uh, I don't know, maybe I, I just don't get as much as I love coffee. And you guys know I love coffee. I don't, uh, I don't need a day to tell me how great it is. To me, National Coffee Day is every day. But apparently... There was a group, what was this, uh, the International Coffee Organization. Who knew that existed? (laughs) But they had a meeting back in 2014, and that's when they decided. Apparently, if you just get enough people together and you say, hey, I want to to make a day where we uh, celebrate pants, Um, I suppose if enough people agree with you, it, it becomes a thing. Um... But I don't know that we need a National Coffee Day, to be honest with you. But uh, that's just me, being a grumpy old man. uh, (laughs) Am I making too much out of this? Uh, I'll tell you what I'm not making too much out of, and that is the World Economic Forum's Davos meeting. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's where the global elites, uh, the corporations and global leaders and politicians, they all get together and uh, decide, basically, um, you know, what's best for us all here in the globe. They, they kind of run everything. <laughs> they, they come up with their missions, and they align their interest, and, and that's, that's uh, how the world is made. That's how, that's how business gets done. But uh, people are uh, kind of freaking out a little bit. If you worked at Microsoft, you might know this, because, of course, Microsoft is there. And... They, they had a concert. They, they hosted a concert, I should say. And this apparently, uh, they had Sting play. It was a very intimate gathering. Can you imagine? I mean, it looks like uh, something like the, the, the venue was an exclusive event. Around 50 people at this uh, ski resort in Davos. Can you imagine being one of 50 people to get to see Sting like up close and personal? I mean... You might ask yourself, like, how much would you have to pay, right? Well, apparently Microsoft paid about a half a million dollars, which is fine. I mean, you know, Microsoft is a blue chip Fortune 500, you know, company. I, they're, they're in the S&P. You know, they're, uh, they're a big deal. Why shouldn't they do that, right? Why shouldn't they have Sting come and play a few of his ditties for all of their uh, elitist friends? Uh, nothing wrong with that. However, this, this concert happened the day before they, uh, they laid off 10,000 people, you know, like 5% of their, their workforce, which uh, they were citing uh, macroeconomic conditions and changing customer priorities. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, if you're one of those 5%, though, 
this is just not a good look. I mean, even if you're not working at Microsoft, like it's sort of, I think, bad taste to to lay off 10,000 people while you're partying up with Sting and Davos. You know, I don't mean to be judgmental here, but it just seems like the optics are, are a little off. Maybe, maybe uh, postpone the uh, slashing of the jobs uh, until like a week or two later when people have forgotten about it. But the day after, it's, uh, that's bad timing. Very bad. Um, I imagine, you know, it was a different tune back at the, uh, back at the Microsoft office where they were like, hey, thanks so much for your service. We're going to go party with Sting. Uh, maybe we'll play you a song now. Uh, let's see. We'll we'll dip back back into his police catalog. How about uh, "Don't Stand So Close to Me"? It, it literally, just just walk right on out the door. Pick up the Sting box set on your way out. That's your severance package. And uh, best of luck. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't blame Sting though. We we can't hold it against Sting. He's a musician. He got hired to make you know people. Uh, uh, feel happy and uh, enjoy his music. Who doesn't want to hear Fields of Gold, you know, in a intimate setting? But uh, that wasn't the only nonsense that, that went on at Davos this year. What else do we have? My boy Jamie Dimon, you might know him. He is the uh, CEO of Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. And he, he really likes to uh, bash on Bitcoin a lot. Let me, I, I just want to play you a clip. And it, it really surprises me, like his, his reaction to this. Uh, give me just one second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue this up like a real podcast here. Hold on a sec. He mentioned Bitcoin. You said you didn't know what we were talking about. Uh, we, we, we pretty much always have some crypto conversation with you. I'm just curious because I don't think we've I, talked to you since. I think all that's been a waste of time. And why you guys waste any breath on it is totally beyond me. Because you just think the whole thing just is, is going to zero, going to zero and it's fake. It, it, Bitcoin itself is a, is a hyped up fraud. It's a pet rock. You're back to that. Yeah, really? Of course. Yeah. So what do you make then of, of BlackRock and other firms that are, are investing in infrastructure? No, that, and other... that, that's different. Blockchain is a is a technology ledger system right. that we use to move information we've used it to do overnight repo intraday right. repo we've used it to we're going to use it we've used it to move money right so that is a ledger that's a technology ledger type of thing that it, we think will be deployable Bitcoin's remember we based on remember this, we've been talking about ledger, that for 12 right. years too and very little has been done there's some so. tokens that, that i agree with you on but but bitcoin's based on a distributed ledger it has call, all the characteristics of of a store of value it, I, it's immutable. It, it's scarce. Uh, it totally untrue. It's it, it, twenty-one million. Well, yeah, really. How do you know it's going to stop at twenty-one million? Because it's, I've mentioned it, this to people Satoshi, too. It, Every, it, everyone it, says it, that. Well, maybe it's going to get to twenty-one million, and Satoshi's picture is going to come up and laugh at you all. Say no, no. There isn't a picture. And by, and by then, Satoshi will take out billions of dollars. Okay, lot to unpack there. It first off, it's uh, interesting that J, I'm just going to call him JD. You know, because. I feel like we're boys. And uh, so JD has a very uh, incorrect understanding of, uh, of how Bitcoin works. I mean, the total use case, whenever people talk about intrinsic value, the, the intrinsic value of Bitcoin is that there will only ever be 21 million. This was written into the protocol and to my boy JD's assertion that... How do we know that? Well, there is 
<laughs> the code itself is open source. Anybody can uh, go in and look at it. And let's just say in the impossible scenario that the founder of Bitcoin, it's a, a pseudonym, Satoshi Nakamoto. We don't know if it's one person or a group of people, but let's just, you know, for giggles, let's say that they or he or them, whoever decided to uh, introduce new code saying, you know what, there's going to be another 21 million and a, you know, a JPEG pops up of Satoshi laughing at us all. The way that this distributed ledger works is that people are already running a copy of this code that was introduced back in 2013. I think it's 2013. And in order for there to be any changes made, all of the node validators, the miners, they all have to agree. And this is, I don't know how big the network is at this point, but it's all over the globe. And, and trying to get people to agree on something is, is crazy, you know, because they are all attached to the rules. It'd be like somebody trying to change the rules of a sports game all at once. And it's actually come up before, you know, there was a group that wanted to increase the block size to make Bitcoin more scalable. And that got shot down because it would have made the blockchain size get so large that you wouldn't be able to have just these independent node operators all over the globe. Because all, really all you need to run a Bitcoin node is a two terabyte hard drive and a personal computer. Mining is a little bit different. You need special equipment for that. But if you just want to enforce the rules of Bitcoin, that's all you need, you know, for, and, and it was designed this way so that it would remain decentralized. Because if they increased the block size, which would have allowed for more transactions and, and whatnot, it would have made it, I guess, a little bit faster. If they had done that, then there would have over time been a centralization of the nodes because these, the blockchain would have gotten so large that you wouldn't be able to run it on a two terabyte hard drive. You would need, you know, much bigger equipment, much more expensive. And so, you know, this was the block wars, I believe it was 2018 or something like that, that it happened, but it got shot down real fast. People that wanted to have these larger blocks, they had to do what's called a fork. It became, I think, Bitcoin Cash is what it's called. Um, and you never heard of it, probably, because it did not... I mean, it's out there, but it's not as big of a deal. And so it's kind of like if you were to be playing, you know, NBA, right? You've got the game of basketball going. All the rules are established. And then you come along and you say, hey, we want to change the roles to where people ride donkeys instead of running around. And we're going to have people riding these donkeys. Um, and and the, the game's going to be played like that. Well, basically, you would have an offshoot of Bitcoin at that point. It would be the equivalent of donkey basketball. I grew up in Arkansas, so I know all about donkey basketball. But it's a thing. Yeah, I'm not just making it up. But that's a, it would be that equivalent if they tried to say, instead of it being 21 million coins, make it 42 million, you would still have the existing Bitcoin at 21 million. It's not in the best interest of everyone that runs the infrastructure to do that because it would immediately devalue all of their, 
all of their hard work. It would, you know, any, any amount that they were holding would be worth much less if suddenly there was 42 million. And so they would have to fork off, call it donkey basketball coin, and it, it would probably fail. I think this is what really gets people like JD uh, because they can't quite, they either don't understand it or they understand it very well, which is probably more likely. And this thing scares the bejesus out of them because that's what separates the protocol from, say, the U.S. dollar, where they can just print, print, print away. <laughs> what are we up to now? $31.4 trillion. I think we, at the time of this recording, uh, they are trying to figure out a way to raise our debt ceiling. And if they don't, we're going to have a hard default. And if they do succeed, we're going to have what's been referred to as a soft default because all they're going to do at the zero hour, right before you know everything blows up, is uh, they are going to say, yes, we're going to raise our debt ceiling. We're going to inject more money, uh, give you these you know, fake dollars to pay for all of the programs and the tax cuts, and then everyone else pays for it. Because now, instead of a loaf of bread costing $2.50 in another year, it's going to be like $5. And that's why this, you could kind of hear the panic in JD's voice as he talks about this. You know, he, he does not want this thing to succeed. I don't know if it will or not, but I will say this. It is worth some time to understand it a little bit more. Anything that scares the big banks is something I want to know more about. What I want to know is how I get into Davos. Can I just, can I go? I mean, uh, I think you probably have to be part of the, you, you got to know the secret handshake, be part of the special club or something, but... I got my own club here. It's the Coffee Buzz. If you want to find the back episodes of it, you can do that at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. You want to reach out to me or uh, hit me up on the social media, you can do that. I'm on Instagram at thecoffeebuzzpc and on Gmail at thecoffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that. Thank you again, and I will talk to you next week.